time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 9 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. We are joined wonderfully again by the only man who's been on this uh, show three times, Mr. Matt Morisoli. How are you doing, my man? I'm doing very well, Adam. How about yourself today? I'm, I'm cracking along, so it's a kind of miserable day outside, so it's a good one to be inside recording some stuff with a good bloke. But those of you who don't know Matt, you probably haven't listened to the other two episodes he's been on. He was on for our um, missions and secondaries uh, dissection from the GT pack. He was also on for our uh, comprehensive ninth edition review, which was the, the kind of our zero bonus episode, the one we released before anything else, to see if this thing actually had any legs. So Matt's been really instrumental in um, amazingly uh, by making himself available to me so often. But Matt is my resident uh chaos demons chaos everything player he's a guy who um won the itc for australia getting a ticket to the las vegas open 2020 because he literally crushed an entire season using chaos demons as, as a primary i guess and that was back with the um i guess the plague bear archetype yeah yeah m- majority of it was like, there were bits and pieces where we used some uh, some other stuff but the majority was the the plague bearers of thousand sons um, mm. army list and yeah you were you, you were so crazy and proficient with that you took it to the lvo not exactly. Not the uh, not the version that everyone sort of knew and hated. Um, but mm. I, I guess a reimagining is sort of. I guess I would call it a reimagining of the the plague bearers and smite list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we've had a I've had a bit of a, uh, a fire lit under my ass and told that I need to get some more chaos content out because I think people are know quite know that uh, as soon as the chaos uh, sorry. As soon as the Space Marine Codex drops, my hands are going to be tied. I'm going to be putting out some Space Marine content pretty hot and heavy. And then as soon as after that, I'll be doing the Necron stuff. Um, I think that's almost an agreed upon thing. So some of my patrons have been like, Adam, try and get out as much chaos content as you can while you can before we have to talk nothing but Marines. And I agree. So I've got uh, lovingly got Matt on. And we're going to be going through the Chaos Demon Psychic Awakening from Engine War. Now, this is, a, this is an interesting book. And Chaos Demons were in a pretty, I don't want to say, is, is abysmal the right word to describe where they're at in, in 8th edition? They had one of the biggest declines from, like, falls from graces due to, like, a single other book release that I've ever seen, yeah? Well, look, as a, as a monolist, right, they were absolutely unplayable. Uh, yeah, that's- there were look, there, there, there were lists that floated around that used chaos demons, you know, to good effect. Uh, but look, re- really, during that Space Marine meta, the, the, the list was not very good, and chaos demons just weren't very good. Yeah, and it was a combination of the chapter master rerolls making. It didn't matter how many negatives you stack; they're always going to get some really, really good damage through on you. And then couple that with the infiltrators being able to zone out any of your bombs, and then past that, having decent to reliable meaty units and screens to be able to soak all your smites yeah yeah and look especially man like thunderfire cannons and master of the forge and just yeah, that man. whole thing like you, you could not hide and the chaos demon units like look people think plague bearers are resilient and negative two to hit plague bearers were you know quite resilient mm. but when you can't hide them and they have to cop the full force of you know an enemy gun line which is essentially what all those space marine lists were over the course of the game like that it, it just doesn't hold up yeah I mean, even towards the end of it, I was having some success punching through with things like just taking two Sammy and two Talamasters over like two or three turns. I'd eventually get through. 
And that's because you had to start diversifying the defensive buffs you were taking because you didn't invest in them so much because you knew they didn't work against Space Marines. And Space Marines were like, you know, 30% of the damn meta at the time. Um, you were just like, oh, yeah, there's no use buffing the crap out of these guys this game. You know, I'll take more damage and smites. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I think there was this uh, this shift towards quality over quantity uh, at the end of the mm. edition. Like a lot of hordes were uh, were disappearing and being replaced with these really high-quality units. Uh, and those units themselves tended to not care too much about minus one to, or yeah. minus one or minus two to hit. You know, having mm. things that hit on twos with natural rerolls or having easy access to to natural rerolls, sort of a uh, you know, I, I, I guess it just took a unit that was very defensively strong early in the edition, um, mm-hmm. and it, it really took away that edge that that unit had. Yeah, I suppose the other factor to it was not just Space Marines, but straight after the Space Marine, we had the Grey Knight release, and the Grey Knights again had the same kind of really punitive effect on Chaos. Yeah, yeah. Look, that that one was a bit different. There were there were some really good ways to play around the Grey Knight matchup, and I actually I really enjoyed mm-hmm. playing a lot of games into Grey Knights because there were some really cool things you could do, and some uh some good ways to uh I, I, I guess affect what your opponent could do. Like when they're talking about these these really powerful smites that were picking up half of demon units, at least you could control mm. what was being removed off the board. Against three Thunderfire Cannons, two Whirlwinds, a bunch of Centurions, they pick and they choose what they want to kill. At least, yeah. you know, when you're playing the Grey Knight Smite matchup, you were at least in control of which units were closer to them and, and things like that. That's really true, yeah, because a lot of them were coming from reserve or using gate. You could really tell where they were going to have to hit. Um, and yeah, that makes, makes a big difference because that actually gave you some agency in that matchup. You actually had some decision-making and you actually had some play, um, which makes all the difference in the world, especially uh, to top players. So we're going to be going through, yeah, the Chaos Demons for essentially kind of what they're appearing to come into ninth edition as. Even though we're a couple of months in the ninth edition, it really doesn't feel like it, does it? But uh, where do you think Chaos Demons are poised at the moment? Uh, well... It really depends. Do you want to talk about them as a as a primary book, as a yeah. as a mono book, or do you want to talk about uh, it as their their role in, I guess, the chaos soup archetype that we've been seeing for uh, you know for a couple of years now? I guess. I suppose for the sake of this episode, part two, you guys, for those who don't know what part two is, we'll be focusing more on what their armies look like, what their archetypes look like, what their different player styles and structures look like. But for this episode, we're going to be focusing on them as either a primary or a mono. If yeah. that makes it easy for you, Matt. Yeah, look, I, I, I think um, chaos as a whole, the the entire faction sort of suffers from this a little bit. Is that there's no one book that has great options to do everything, and mm-hmm. you are sort of yeah. forced to soup it up and to take multiple detachments. I don't think demons are any different. I I think the psychic awakening book has given them uh, a few things they didn't have before. A few of the the greater demons that we'll probably talk about you know, pretty soon, and some new stratagems that give them some cool options. I think as a primary book, they are still pretty weak. I don't think this book makes mm. a whole heap of difference to that, but I do think that there are certain units uh, and combos and you know and, and things that you can do with them that give them a fighting chance and help them play the missions really yeah. well. But in terms of a you know a, a book that you're designing to build a list to do damage with or to board control with, they don't really do one or the other. Uh, exceedingly well, I suppose, and that's why I kind of look at them and they feel a little bit meh on their own. Mm. No, that's fair. So the first book, when you crack open the the Chaos Demon section in um, Engine War, you go through a bunch of different um, data sleets for mostly for Slanesh units. You know, we've got the, the special characters. We've got um, Shalexi Hellbane. Um, 
Shalaxi Hellbane, sorry, and um, the named uh, Keeper of Secrets, the Enrapturist, the Contorted Epitome, Keeper of Secrets, all that good stuff. And then we get to the stratagems. And so that's where we're going to start our review from today. We're going to go through stratagem by stratagem, hit them each one, and talk about their effects and their playability. Now, the first one, first cap off the rank, and so they, they come in, in bundles of four, four, four stratagems for each god. I'm already not a huge fan of that, because if you, if you want to play a mono god, like if you are a dedicated mono god player, if you are a corn demon player, this book only gave you four stratagems. That feels a bit meh. I would have loved to have seen a couple of general stratagems in of the ilk of, say, um, Warp Surge. Yeah, I think to be fair though, I actually think that a lot of the Chaos Demons book stratagems are really good and are still really good. Uh, there's yep. a lot of um, flexibility uh, for those units that come out of the box and having upgrades to your greater demons and things like that and having these stratagems, you don't have to look at them in isolation. There are combos that are quite cool uh, and you yep. can look at the way that the existing units operated with their old set of stratagems or the way that these new greater demons operate and what these stratagems offer them uh, and mm. just the way that you build lists. It, it, it's not as, as one-dimensional as just having four new stratagems. It's having more options. And an army like yeah. this just likes having you know ha- having those options. No, well said, mate. All right, first cap off the rank, we'll do the we'll do the force and Ashy ones. Uh, one CP, razor sharp, caress, you just strategy in the fight phase, select one demonette infantry unit from your army to the end of the phase. The armor penetration characteristic of melee weapons uh, models in that unit are equipped with is improved by one. So just quick question. So they're negative three on sixes what to to wound you. They get yep. essentially a rending. Yep. So that would that make them negative four if you use this CP, yeah? Sure. Well, that's what it says, right? <laughs> EG, EG, straight through Space Marines. Space Marines don't get a save. Um, 100%. That tip, yep. o- that tip over point is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I, I, again, uh, coming from the the perspective of you know, ha- having got your big blob of demonets into a unit of intercessors or whatever it might be, this is sort of something I feel like you'd always use. If you need to kill yeah. that unit, I thought like this is something that you'd probably say, oh, well, one CP, it's just gonna it's gonna bring my damage up a level. I, I wouldn't even be worried about the uh, the rends so much to be honest. I'd be worried yeah. about the fact that you know you get this sixteen percent increase in damage uh, for one CP, and people are running. No one's running unit to ten demonets, right? Because they just no. don't, do, they don't. They don't do anything. So if you've yeah. gotten a unit demonets in combat, you, you're gonna have you know there's gonna be some power behind that. You're, you're gonna have a, a meaty unit that's getting into combat mm-hmm. here. Uh, but it seems pretty good to me to me for that alone. It just it, it feels like yeah, yeah, add all this damage for one CP. So I, I think that's a pretty good little option to have. I don't particularly think demonets right, are that strong, but if you're gonna run them, this is a you know, again, it's a great option to have. Absolutely right. You want to hit the next one for us? Yeah. Oh god, you give me the one that I can't pronounce. <laughs> Sinuous undulation. I think that's pretty pretty spot on, actually. Mate, well uh, you use this strategy when your opponent's shooting phase, when a demonet cavalry unit from your army is chosen as a target of an attack. Until the end of the phase, when resolving an attack made against that unit, subtract one from the hit roll. So we're, we're just talking about uh, about seekers, seekers yeah. or yeah. the the character, uh, yeah, the couple of characters that are that are mounted. But it, it's most likely to come into play on seekers. Um, again, it, it's one of those ones where it's it's just a good option to have, right? You're not you're not going to be building a, a list around. Oh, mate, I've got this unit of negative one to hit seekers. They're going to live the whole they're game. They're going to take over the game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're not going to do anything like that, but. You know, if if you've got this unit of seekers that's hiding behind a building, and your opponent only has you know one or two indirect fire guns, but you really need those that unit to live, maybe you pop this. It's only one CP, mm. one CP for minus one to hit. You know, it's half what it costs for for Eldar to do that. Um, obviously, it's you know we're comparing apples and oranges there, but I think it's pretty good. 
So I'm, I've got an interesting query here about sequencing. So let's say I've got a Lehman Ross Punisher, yeah? When I select that unit to shoot, I have to spend Vengeance for Cadia. I think that's, that's how it goes. And then I choose what it's shooting at. I believe Correct. that's the sequencing. Yep. So then you'd be able to go, oh, okay, instead of that, that Vengeance for Cadia insane 40-shot Lehman Ross hitting me on fours re-rolling, I can 1CP make him hit on fives re-rolling um, and not re-rolling the fours, of course. So... Yeah, I think I think the wording on this, the terms and conditions are good, are good enough for what it is, and I think I think it's fine. If you're taking seekers, you're just, just going to use it. Same same as the demonets, you know, it's just a good applicable thing you're going to get. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, next one, one CP song of discordant despair. Uh, geez, so use this stratagem at the start of the morale phase. Select one enemy unit within six of a fiends of. Fiends of Slash unit from your army until the end of the phase. Subtract two from the enemy's leadership characteristic. I wish they had this last morale phase, not this morale phase. That makes sense. Yeah, man, I agree. It's uh, <laughs> again, right? It's one of those things where it might, you know, if you're taking fiends, I, I don't recommend you take fiends. I don't think they're in a particularly good spot at the moment. But if you're taking fiends, this may come up, and it may be like, oh, that's actually worth a CP, but. This one, again, like I said at the start, this just adds options to a lot of different units. This mm. one doesn't feel like a particularly good use of a command point to me, outside of very specific scenarios, obviously. So I think I had a ch- I can't remember who I had a chat with. I've got a feeling it was the Creations of Bile episode with uh, Liam Hackett, but he, there's a similar one for Creations of Bile. Um, and he was looking at it from the perspective of you can just use this to kill a last guy from a unit. Like you charge five intercessors and you killed four of them. Um, he's let's say he's ultramarines, he's leadership eight or leadership nine or whatever. He could better chance of passing it. You minus him down to two, and because he's obsec, he would hold it over the fiends technically, and you just one CP. That guy's going to guarantee run, and you're going to hold that point. Those little swings can mean a lot, but like the like the other two, these aren't things you're ever going to build around. So I think it's just a nice little cherry. Um, yeah, you want to touch on the last one. Well, th- yeah, this one would be great if it didn't have to be fiends, right? But you know, if it was if it was any slash unit, it would be yeah. sick. It does. Yeah. All right, we've got uh, Flensing Impact for 1CP as well. Uh, use the stratagem in the fight phase. Select one Demonet Chariot unit from your army that made a charge move this turn until the end of the phase when resolving an attack made by a model in that unit. A hit roll of six scores an extra hit. Um, this is kind of similar to the first one, I think. Uh, it's great yeah. if you've got three of the uh, oh, the uh, the Exalted Chariots or w- whatever you may be using. The, the, the other. I, I think the Exalted ones are, are well worth their points cost increase over the... Uh, the standard chariots, but um, mm. I think it's sort of one of those things where if you really need to kill something and you're sort of on the fence about whether or not it's going to happen, you drop the command point on. It's just an option, right? It's the same as all of these Slanesh ones. It's just an option that gives you a little bit more flexibility if you really need it. Uh, and again, it's it's fine for one CP, but it's not going to be you know, it's not mm. going to be break, breaking any games open. Well, realistically, so I'm just looking at the the Herald of Slanesh on Exalted Chariot. They come with eight attacks and then get an additional eight attacks from the um, the lashing tongues from the seekers on front. So it's 16 attacks worth of value. You're going to get through those sixes. So in all likelihood, you're going to get three extra attacks for one CP. Um, that's not the yeah. worst. That's not the worst one CP strat in the game, but it's not the best either. Well, you'd want to be using it on the unit of three uh, to actually get oh, maximum true. value yeah. out of there. So you're right, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. It's it's look, it's not terrible, but you're talking about getting, you know, a unit of three large models that are very easy to shoot that aren't very defensively tough across the board <laughs> yeah. in combat. But they are fast, right? But you're talking yeah. about doing all of that to get a few extra attacks with some okay melee weapons. It's you yeah. know, it's one it's of true. those things where it's you know very situationally you know, it's going to help you out. You're going to help you finish off a unit that you really need to kill. 
But mm-hmm. I'm not going to go recommend that you buy nine of these and stick them in an army. No. Build, build, build an army around Flensing Impact, right? It's it's just one yeah. of those ones where it's an incremental buff, and it's you know it, it's cool to have in your back pocket when you need it. But it's not going to be breaking the game open like any of these are. Fair enough. Next one. So we're up to the Noga ones. One CP, Rust and Decay. Use this stratagem in the fight phase. Select one Plague Bear infantry unit from your army to the end of the phase when resolving an attack made by a model in that unit. A modified hit roll of six automatically scores a hit and successfully wounds. Um, I like it. I, I think that's pretty good, actually. I mean, you've, sorry, you've already got reels to wound, though, don't you? Oh, I think it's terrible, man. <laughs> yeah, you've, wait, you've already got reels to wound on Plague Bears, don't you? You do. With the, with the Plague Swords, you do, yeah. Yeah. So the, the buff is negligible as hell. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty terrible, man. They've, they've got one attack each. They're on thirty-two mil bases. Yeah. Like it's so much effort to get. You know how hard it is to even get like ten plague bearers to hit things. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. and look, tr- trust me, I- I've played sixty plus plague bearers for a good amount of time. Very, very mm. rarely do you have many left when they actually get into combat, and even yeah. then, very rarely are they all swinging. Like it's just, and you, yeah, it, yeah. it's just a bad CP. When do you ever actually need your plague bearers to go in and do lifting, do any work? This if you try the, to image yeah. stuff, it's, it's to tie it down, wrap it, stop it from shooting you. You don't, you don't give a crap about the damage they do. This is the kind of command point that uh, a new player will spend uh, thinking that they're going to turn this unit of plague bearers into something that it's not, uh, and they'll yeah. very almost instantly be disappointed that they spend the command point doing that. Honestly, when they get um, one six on their seven dice, then... exactly right. Yeah. And then they watch their opponent pass their three plus save in their space brain because it's <laughs> you know yeah. an AP zero plague sword. Uh, I, I think it's very very average. All right, jump on to the next one, man. Putrid demise also one CP. Uh, use a stratagem when a plague bearer cavalry model from your army is destroyed before removing that model. Roll one d six for every unit within six uh, that aren't noble units on a two plus. The unit being rolled for suffers a mortal wound. Uh, so this is exclusive to uh, to plague drones. Plague um, drones, yeah, yeah. The that's right. I think the the Forge World uh, version of beasts are are beasts as well. They're not beasts, cavalry yeah. either, even though they're yeah. the plague riders. I'm not sure that they could be, but regardless, we're we're talking about plague drones here. Um, look, this is kind of, you know I feel like I'm repeating myself here. It's kind of like the uh, the whole lot of slanesh stratagems, but. Uh, mm. You know, you know, if you if you charge your plague drones into a, a chapter master or something, and you leave the guy on one wound and he kills you, like just being able to say, okay, well, one CP, I get to kill that unit, or I get to kill that last model on the objective, or I get yeah. to kill something that I actually need to kill. Like, how how often do you do you leave an important model alive on one wound? Right, it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a really great flex. To, it, you're only ever going to use it when you kill something, right? When you're going to kill mm. something on a two plus, you'd be like, yep. Yeah, it's worth a command point. Uh, but the rest yep. of the time, it's kind of just not. Plague drones are good all the time. So you'll actually, you know, a lot of lists will actually have plague drones in them. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just cool flex. It's good to have. So I'm on, a, I'm on a weird one with this. I think there was the terms and conditions here are, are pretty crap. Um, when a model from your army is destroyed. So it's not when a, um, a model in a unit or um, after all the units in a model have been destroyed after at the end of the fight phase, it's when one does. So I couldn't say suicide a unit of um, blight drones into a paladin squad and get them all killed and then blow them all up. You can only blow one up. Um, yeah. I think that, that's what annoys me because you're absolutely right. The only time you're ever going to use this is when you've got one guy within six inches that's got one wound left. And if your opponent knows this exists, they're never going to let you. They're just going to be like, okay, I'm going to be 6.1 inches away before I shoot this gun at you. That's going to knock that one wound off the dude. I think there's too many ways to play around it. But still, 
It's there. You know, it's, you know, it's just flex, man. It's just it's an option. Yeah. Uh, but look, it, it is good that you can use it whenever a model dies. So it's not limited to a phase. You can, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Look, um, um, imagine doing that when, you know, your enemy librarian smites a plague drone and kills it and you turn around and you kill the librarian as well. There's, there's, yeah, that'd it, be cool. It's a, it's a really good little pocket stratagem to have that you're probably going to use once every 10 tournaments if you run plague well, drones for 10 tournaments. But that one time you use it, your opponent's going to be like, oh, shit, I really you know, wish I didn't do that. What's the sequencing on perils? Your perils, as soon as you roll a dice here, your perils and you do the perils before you resolve the, the spell, yeah? Because then if you die from the perils, the spell doesn't go off. Correct. Okay, cool. So you couldn't, you could then, you know, perils, they resolve the spell, smite the drone, the drone kills the, the, kills the psycho, yeah, the perils. Exactly. That's, that's, that's cute. That's, that's really cute. It's the situations like that that, don't, that come up almost never, but when you pull this strategy out, your opponent's going to be like, oh, damn, I really wish I'd, you know, I, I had. I hadn't done that. I wish I'd, you know, CP rerolled something. I wish I, yeah, just I, I hadn't made this mistake because it's one of those things that's so unimportant that no one's going to remember that it exists. That's I, I, very true. There I is power existed. You know, I, I, I thought it existed <laughs> until I reread this. So, uh, uh, all right, next one. Uh, Acidics. Uh, these are pretty much for, until we say otherwise. These are all one CP. There's only one non-one CP stratagem in here so yeah we'll tell you when we get to that one um acidic slobber use this stratagem in the fight phase select one beast of nurgle unit from your army to the end of the phase when resolving an attack made by a model in that unit unmodified wound roll of six inflicts one model wound on the target in addition to other damage i actually quite like this one bloody earth i think it's the best one so far i think so too uh, um, beasts are really good. They, yeah i got d6 attacks each on beasts sure do man yep um so when would you when would you would you trigger this after you rolled a CM in attacks you got? Use the stratagem in the fight in the phase. Fight. You so would, yeah. I would say that you can use it in the fight phase. So mm -hmm. I, I guess after you've rolled those attacks, you're in the fight phase. So I, I would I would say, based on this, I actually haven't checked the FAQ, but based on this, you can roll your number of attacks first. That's six. So you can get a you can get a six on your attacks on your say three to five six beasts of nurgle and then be like okay cool 36 attacks i guess we're going for mortal wounds this time well actually you can you probably even do it after the uh after the hit roll right that's in the fight phase yeah it is and yeah it doesn't tell you any there's no sequencing it's just in the fight phase yeah well mate you you roll some terrible hits i guess you don't pop that oh look I, I, <laughs> yeah, i'd man. have to i'd have to double check sequencing there I, I reckon that might be that might be reaching but um you know it says in the fight phase, right? That's all it says there. So that's, regardless, that's right. regardless, this is very good. Beasts are in like a, a really good place right now, generally. Um, and this just gives them a bit more power, especially mm -hmm. with the uh, the heroic intervention thing that people will forget about, you know, you know exactly getting, to right. fight, getting to fight and your opponents, you know, when they've done some charge moves and things like that. I, I reckon there's a lot of power to this one. And people, people often underestimate... Um, what beasts can really get done movement wise because they're on such big bases you can you, you fight against two ranks and holding a lot of board at the same time because the bases are so massive and so what people could be like oh if i charge just if i just charge here and i tap in with these 10 guardsmen i'm only going to take you know 2d6 attacks and then after the pylons they're taking 4d6 attacks stuff like that can be really interesting for them as well i like yeah i like this one so far this is my favorite one that we've read out so far um uh, i think one. so too yeah uh nurgling infestation oh that sounds terrible uh, use the strategy <laughs> at the end of any phase except the morale phase. Uh, select a Nurgling unit from your army. Roll one d6 for each model in that unit that was destroyed this phase. For each roll of five plus, uh, one destroyed model to the unit uh, is returned with all its wounds remaining. Uh, place them in unit coherency. Uh, if the model can't be placed this way, it's not returned. Essentially, it's um, reanimation protocols for a unit of Nurglings. Um, yes. Now, 
I, I actually really like this. I, I actually think it's really cool. Um, I think it's phenomenal. You, you've got the thing is right. You've, you've got to lose three models to get one back on average. So yeah. it's it, look, it, it's kind of questionably useful. Um, it's great on a unit of nine when you get down to one model left, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine getting four, three or four nerglings back. Like that's just it's, it's a feel bad. But um, yeah. there is no guaranteed return from this. You need to be running quite large units in the first place to really get benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's very good though. I think it's a a really cool pocket stratagem again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, e- even if you got a unit of three and you're down to one and you're on you know, the last turn of the game. And you just need that unit to survive. Yeah. Hey, roll the dice, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think it's just I think this is a really cool strategy. I think it's great. Like the 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 thing that came into my head was like you've got a unit of four intercessors that charge five nerglings. They kill one of the nerglings in combat. You're like, for one CP, I can flex, get that nergling back, and hold that objective on him. Uh, which yeah, could be sure. a ten point swing in the game. You just do it. You just like bang one CP, give us the five, ten point swing. Amazing. Um we're up to the corn ones now, and here's the three CP strat: um, Rage Eternal, fucking um, another amazing metal band. It's like every yeah. Uh, <laughs> use this stratagem in the fight phase when a uh, model in a bloodletter infantry unit from your army is destroyed until the end of the phase. Roll one d6 each time from model uh, model in that unit is destroyed on a four plus. The model is not removed until after all attacking units close combat attacks have been resolved, and then the destroyed model can make all of its close combat attacks against the unit that destroyed it before being removed. This model can make these attacks in close combat, even if it would not normally be able to target that unit. There's a lot going on there. There's a hell of a lot going on there. I reckon someone in the rules team was writing three different stratagems and just said, oh, geez, we're yeah. allowed to have four. Let's just smush them all together, right? <laughs> yeah. <I> know, man. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a boiling it down. It's a fight back strat, yeah? So where would you use this one, Matt? Yeah, this one, um, like... What comes to mind to me is uh, an army built around two big bloodletter bombs where you drop them down, you charge with both of them, and this would essentially be your counter to your opponent interrupting after you fought with the first one. What yeah. sort of lets it down, right? It's like, like, like it'd be great to go and fight with the first unit, they interrupt on the other unit, um, and then you pop this so that you get to preserve that full second unit of bloodletters. Uh, I think it just falls down because it's 3 CP, right? Because you're talking about... What- Spending yeah. command points, put them in reserve. Spending command points in the banner of blood. Spending command points on this. Probably wanting to fight again with you know the other blood letter bomb, which is again you wouldn't really need to use this if you're only using one bomb of uh, one bomb of blood letters. It just it feels like uh, it's 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 really really good, but most armies aren't going to have the command points to fuel it. Mm. Well, uh, where it absolutely where it absolutely definitively loses me is that you only get hit back on a four plus. If I'm paying three freaking CP. I want to hit back 100% of the time. I don't, I don't want to roll a 4 plus to see if they hit back. They just hit back. It's 3 CP. They should just hit back. Yeah, like, you know, you're actually you're, you're totally right on that. Um, and that, that's why I said I, I think for 2 it would be pretty good. But I think mm. the, the, the jump from 2 to 3 CP is so massive, right? It's, yeah. There are so many really, really good 2 command point stratagems. Uh, mm. But going to three means it has to be really, really premium. And this just it, it's it's great, but it's not super premium the way that uh, a lot of other three yeah. command point stratagems are. Well, if you just pay two CP, if you don't, if if you want the guys to attack, you just pay two CP warp surgeon and you you deny fifty percent of the fifty percent of the incoming wounds instead of having a fifty percent chance for your guys to attack when they die. It's just better, and you save your pocket a CP in the difference. Yeah, that's it. And, and to be fair, right, um, we're talking about big units here. 
it's you've got to do you have to fight with a fairly strong unit to uh to kill you know 20 30 bloodletters right you're not doing that with with five scouts yeah. um, right. so i think the places where this is good are super super limited like things like knights come to mind um yeah i was about and, to say yep knights. And, and perhaps this is good into say three big knights right perhaps if you're running the two bloodletter bombs you just say you know what screw it i'm putting all my eggs in this basket Drop down with two units, charge here, charge here, fight twice mm. with one unit, use this in the other unit when they try and stop me just to preserve as many models as possible. Uh, and then you know, just dump your whole CP load and try and kill two knights in a turn. Um, perhaps it's good there. I think uh, it's just it's costed too uh too aggressively. Th- it's it's not a, yeah. not, not a not a great investment of three CP. I think it's just priced out of out of consideration, really. Um, yeah, I agree. Brass Stampede, jump to the next one. Use the stratagem in your charge phase when a bloodletter cavalry unit, so we're talking about uh, about blood crushes here, uh, finishes a charge move. For each model on that unit, you can select one enemy unit within an inch of that model and roll a d6. On a 2+, plus, they suffer a mortal wound. And on a 6, they take d3 mortal wounds. Um, if these mortal wounds would destroy all enemy units within an inch of your unit, uh, it can charge again, uh, which is really cool. Um, I I love it. I love it. I'm not sure if it's good because I'm not sure how good crushes are, but the, not the wording in ter- the, yeah, well, the wording in terms and conditions here are amazing. Well, again, I'm I'm not sure if I read this correctly, but use this in your charge phase when you finish charge move. If you were to charge into a small unit, for example, say let's say five scouts, right, and I'll, so so there's two or three scouts left, and you kill them and you charge again, you actually get to do this effect again. It, it says is, yeah. when you finish charge move, so you'd actually get to get double value out of the mortal wound yeah. portion of this. That seems very good. So realistically, you've got six crushes in a unit. Maybe you don't have six, you have five because of coherency and blast and things. So you go in and they'll do uh four, they'll do four two plus. Let's say you roll a one and one of those will be a six. So on average, you're gonna do five to six mortal wounds on the charge. Um, there are a lot of units that you could roll over with six mortal wounds. Um, especially if you put a little bit of smite or shooting into them beforehand, and then you just get a whole new charge. The fact that you can you can you guys get three d six charges with banners of blood as well? Uh yeah. The the other thing here is it actually says if you destroy all units within one inch of your uh, of your unit, so you don't actually have mm-hmm. to kill the whole unit. You just have to kill no. every model within an inch. So there are some exactly cool ways right. to play around that as well. If you've got, let's just say, let's say you charge some grav devs, for example, and you positioned it so that. Uh, uh, let's say the champion was the closest model, and they want to. And you kill four of the five guys, and they want to keep their. Uh, they want to keep their one of their grav cannons alive. You sort of force yeah. them to take take all the grav cannons off, or you. you, fought, you there's just some, yeah. some cool little ways that you can play around with this. So it, I, I think, for one command point, it's really good. If you're going to run blood crushes, you'd definitely be using this. I would say almost every game. I, I, I yeah, you use it every single chance you get. The problem is you'll get to use it once. And then your opponent will be like, "You're never going to be. I'm never going to letting you do that again. Kill him." <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, well, your blood crushes probably aren't going to last more than one turn anyway. To be fair, they're, 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 they're not particularly tough. Um, what so, are they? They're four wounds with a four up armor save, toughness four. Are they four yeah, wounds? Four, oh, yeah, I thought they three, but they might be four. Yeah. Yeah, toughness four, four wounds, three, four plus armor. Yeah, they're they're squish. They're squish as they're two intercessors stuck together. Oh well, they don't even have power. With armor, man. Sorry, with the worst <laughs> save. Yeah, they're two. They're two Two scouts stuck, or four scouts stuck together. Uh, (laughs) Somebody do that. Put like get four scouts, put some gaffer tape them together, and then put a blood letter on top. And there's your your crush. All right, one CP. The scent of blood. That's a that's a Jerry Marigold school of (laughs) 
<laughs> unit creation. You've actually um, just given him his Cancon army for uh his for, next, army, yeah. for next year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, once they appear the scent of blood, you discharge him in your charge phase, select one flesh hounds unit from your army. That unit can be chosen to charge with this phase, even if it advances this turn. In addition, add two to the result of that charge. If any enemy models, excluding vehicles, have been destroyed this turn. So if you killed if you killed a unit at all any time in that turn before the charge phase, so if you shot or psychic them down, they get plus two to the charge on top of being able to advance and charge. Look, that's not too bad. Oh, it'd be great if it didn't, apply to, it didn't apply to flesh hands. This, this, should, this, this, this would be great on blood crushes, actually. Um, this would be on shit on blood crushes. Yeah. yeah. Look, um, uh, it's it's really good, right? It's um, It just gives you, like, it gives you what? If you kill a unit, you get plus two to the charge roll, plus an advance. You get, you know, plus five and a half inches to, uh, you know, they're already quick movement and, and charge. It's pretty good. Um, That's cool. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the downside is of, like, uh, are flesh hounds better now than they were? I think they are because they can oh, hide a lot, a lot easier. But and their board control really is more relevant. But yeah, it's the thing; they don't do anything. Like a blood letter is killier um, and cheaper. It's, it can be almost as fast because you can hold it in reserve and then have big charges with the banner of blood. Yeah, like, well, the only thing it really brings yeah. is the deny. I guess it's great if you're fighting GSC or orcs or well, that's true. Even, yeah, not even tower, but like against marines, they're just not very good. They just don't do anything. Um, well, they go and, in, they bounce, and they die, yeah. And especially with the way that, you know, Marines are looking this edition as well, like you need to be able to kill them. And having bulk AP zero attacks just aren't useful. Yeah, the same, same as the, I guess the same as the Plague Bearer issue, except their blood letters, blood, sorry, flesh hounds are a lot faster. Um, you want to tap the last one for us at the corns? Bound in brass and bone. That sounds more like a Slanesh stratagem, if I'm being honest. Uh, use a stratagem in any phase when a bother <laughs> a chariot unit from your army is chosen as targeted an attack until the end of the phase when resolving attack made against that unit, half the damage inflicted, rounding up. Um, now, has that been FAQ'd to be one damage or do they still get true half damage? Jeez, uh, I don't know. When, when, Put when you on the spot, when, when was the last, <laughs> when was the last time you saw me playing with a bloodletter chariot unit? Jeez, um, never. It's it's so irrelevant because it applies to bloodletter chariot units. That's that's it's it, it's just irrelevant because of that. Um, mm, because they're tragic. not good. Because because they're not good, right? Because there are so many units that do what they do better. Uh, yeah, and because and, of that, and, not the, and sorry, and Matt isn't saying in demons. Matt's saying in chaos. Now there are so many things that will just do anything and everything that chariot does times ten standing on its head. Correct, because they're kind of cheap, but they just they just don't do anything and they just die. Uh, mm. It's one of those units where someone has made the model probably for, for Warhammer Fantasy and it looks really cool and they've had to incorporate it into 40K uh, and it just hasn't amalgamated well with the rest of the book and the way that the rest of the book wants to play. And you would, yeah, just, you would just always spend the points elsewhere. Um, no, so totally it's, just not, it's just not good because the unit that it affects isn't good. Yeah. Fair. All right. Jumping over to the Zinch ones. So the first of that is Minions of Magic. Use a stratagem at the start of your psychic phase. Select one horror infantry unit from your army. The first time that unit attempts to manifest a psychic power with this phase, do not roll any dice for the psychic test. Instead, assume a nine was rolled. Is that any good? What, you, to think. Seriously? It's bloody sick. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I'm like, I'm just trying to think. They're all psychers, aren't they? Like Even a 10-man even a unit of any horrors is a psychic. Yeah, except for the brims, right? It's it's very good the stratagem. Um, mm. again, you, you want you want you well, you won't use it all the time, but you, it, you just when you want a power man, when you want to you know when you want to get your when you want to get your smart off, when you want to get 
uh, you know, a, a Zench power off. There, there are heaps of them. A, a nine gets any power, you know, passes mm-hmm. any power. Um, is this, is this, they don't sorry? have Doombolt. Doombot's on the, Doombot's on the Thousand Sun side, isn't it? Uh, I believe so, yes. So it's yeah, actually okay, been, okay, a, been, been a while since I've played that, but uh, <laughs> yes, I believe that's on the, um, it is, yeah, no, that's on the other one. You can get, years. you can get Bolt of Change, you can get, uh, Gift of Change. Firestorms. Uh, just Firestorms. Just Firestorms, yeah. Is that a nine to go? It is a nine to go off, yeah. Uh, and then it's super, super yeah. powered. Yeah, so that, that passes any power. Um, yeah, it does. So it's good. Then, the only terms I wish, I wish that you got to roll the dice and then see if you pass and then change it to a nine. Because then at least it's like, it's changey, it's zinchy. But uh, it's fair enough. You can't have it all. Yeah, man, absolutely. Look, I think, uh, again, it's one of those ones you probably wouldn't use every game. But, you know, when you just get to say, oh, well, um, I need this power... I've got this unit of horrors. I just get this power. Uh, it's it's pretty good. It's a good CP and a clutch moment, of course. Um, next hey, one. Man. Alrighty. Uh, Warped yours. Use the strategy in the fight phase. Select the unit of screamers from your army until uh, the end of the phase and resolve the attack made by a model in uh, against, sorry, against a monster or vehicle. Add one to the wound roll. Um, excellent. Very good. Yeah, I think it's excellent um, as well. I actually quite like screamers at the moment. Yeah, look, I don't think they're quite durable enough for their points cost, but they the, the damage they put out is is very significant, especially in a you know in a space marine meta. Um, mm. I think that this is really good. I think screamers, if someone can find the right list for them, the unit is pretty good. Um, just because yep. the unit is good, you know, there isn't always a list that suits the unit. Uh, but yeah. I think um, I think the unit itself is very good. I'm not sure how I would write them into a list right now, but if I was mm. going to, I would probably use this almost every game. And one CP for plus one to wound, even if it is restricted to monsters and vehicles, it's never a bad CP. Like you're never gonna be like regret that one. One a plus one to wound is one of the best things you can get for one CP. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. I think uh, this is really good. I think it's a really cool little bit of a uh, bit of tech for for screamers. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, if I had them in a list, I'd use this probably you know probably almost every game. Sick. All right, next one. One CP, Flames of Mutation. Use this strategy when you're shooting phase. Select one flame unit from your army at the end of the phase when resolving an attack made by a model in that unit. And a modified wound roll of six inflicts one mortal wound in addition to other damage. I love this. Bloody Earth, it's very good. It's very good. Um, it's a better version of the it's a better version of the beast one because it's a range weapon. Oh, yeah. Well, it's almost it's almost as good as the beast one. Oh, sorry, it's almost exactly as good as the beast one, just because sorry. Except this is shooting and combat. It says whenever resolving an attack made by a model in that unit. So you could you could use it twice in a turn, technically. No. Uh, until the end of the fa- until the end of the phase when resolving an attack made with a model in that unit, a modified hit roll doesn't say range, doesn't say fighting, doesn't say yeah. But psych, you, have to, you, have to, you have to use it in your sh- shooting phase, man. So it works. For the end oh, of the sorry. Of course, phase. of course. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Use uh, it in your shooting phase. Same, same deal here. You can roll the number of attacks first. Oh, actually, it's better because yep. you don't have to roll the hit because they auto hit. So you're right. It's they better. auto hit, yeah. Yeah, oh, so you and, just roll. And they're blast weapons, man. Woo. Oh. So, <laughs> orcs. Yeah. See ya. Yeah, That's... juicy. Well, you wouldn't need it against orcs, man. But like, uh, it, even just like, even just shooting a unit of 10 intercessors, uh, having the guaranteed yeah. three, um, it's yeah, pretty it's good. huge. I, I like now, this one. One of, the, one of the best ones so far, I think. There's only one thing I wish it had here that it doesn't, but this is this is me, you know, reaching a straws. I wish it said you could use it in Overwatch, because then characters would like you wouldn't charge flames with characters. Like oh, your your smash, yeah. your, your, uh, your smash captain. You just feel like if dude, you charge you charge six flames with your smash captain, you could just lose him to the mortals. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, that Flamers in Overwatch are already, you know, they're already pretty nasty. Oh, they're already prone enough, yeah. Yeah, true. you might not even need it a lot of the time, but, you know, it, it's a very good strategy. So I'm a, a bit too big thumbs up for this one. All right, hit the last one for us, mate. Warp Portal, use the strategy in your movement phase, select a Flux Master, Fate Skimmer, or Burning Chariot from your army, uh, remove it from the battlefield and set it back up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine away from enemy models. Uh, can't move any further this phase. Um, it's uh, okay. If you're taking them, I think it's good. Like, what, what I do like this for is if you've got bombs coming in and you need to buff them, um, you can put the buffs behind the bombs as soon as the bombs drop. Yeah. Um, um, it's, again, it's one of those things that's going to be pretty pretty situational. It, it's, it'll be great late in the game when there's not much left on yeah. the board and you want to get around or you want to be on an objective or there's something you want to do. Um, but, it, it, again, it's kind of just like, these units are all fast already, so they can kind of already be where you want them to be. It, it, it kind of That's helps true. you if you've misplayed or if you've made a mistake or if something's just you know, if something in your game plan has gone wrong. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's again, it, it's good flex, right? It's one of those ones where you're probably going to use it once every ten events, but when you do, it might be game winning. Yeah, I think you're probably spot on there. Now, so there's the Exalted Flamer. Is Exalted Flamer one of the guys on the on the chariots? Uh, no, no, no the, the burning chariot is the um. Uh, no, 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 sorry, that, that's that's they, these are the three HQs. I thought so, the burning or burning chariot. The burning chariot was the one that comes with the exalted flamer on it. Is what I thought. Two two screamers and exalted flamer. The flux master or and the fate skimmer are the the disc herald and the chariot herald. Yeah, yeah. The um the exalted flamer is the the character. Sorry, it's the elite's character. It's not the HQ character. These are the three the HQ characters that have powers. The exalted flamer is the one that shoots the the D three last cannons. Yeah, but I thought the exalted flavor came on the burning chariot, but never mind. Because what oh, I was thinking there is that it's a good way to position. Yeah, it's a good way. It's it's a good way to position las cannons in a in a meta with obscuring terrain. Um, that's yeah, what I was thinking there. I'm not sure if it has the keyword, but I can find out. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, we can move on while we do that. We'll move on. But um, so that that sums up all the stratagems there. So the only the only bone I have to pick with these because I think that they're they're exactly what you'd expect they were going to do, yeah? Then that's I think that's the issue I have with them. There was nothing here that came out of the blue, e.g. of the ilk of what Paladins got or what a bunch of other things got where you just they just took a unit and obviously put it on a pedestal and they put it, hey, here's the thing you want to play, here's the thing you want to take. On top of that, they didn't give any... I would love to have seen four more generalist strats, like four for each god and then four generalist strats, things like of the ilk of... Um, of warp surge and things of that that nature something that would just benefit no matter what god you had would always be evergreen um stuff like, i don't know like a plus one toughness buff or something of like that or maybe a you can't target me buff or something just some general stuff to give you some fleshed out goodness oh man demons were good for a year so we're not allowed to be good anymore so uh, <laughs> that's just, that is that's actually you, you are spot on nail on the head you got the orc treatment that's it <laughs> you know no uh, yeah. no no mega knobs over here we've just got you know, beasts and bloodletter bloody mm. chariot units running around. What? Where's the, where's the strategy? Where's the strategy for soul grinders, furies? Where's the strategy for generic demon princes? You know, because furies, mate, man, where, they're, they're 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 the secret sauce. I tells you. <laughs> where is the uh, the strat for plaguehawks? I've just been waiting and waiting, and there is no plaguehawk strategy. I'm so well, disappointed. I think they're gone. Didn't they get legended? Isn't that this just, just literally closed the curtain fell on the plaguehawk? Oh, did it really? I actually don't know. I think that's, it did, that, that's disappointing if it's true. <laughs> well, it just means you're just, dude, you've been legended. You're a legend. You know? Oh, well, I think we already knew that. <laughs> oh, geez. Geez. All right. All right. So, do you want to give us a little bit of summary? How do you feel about these strats? 
Um, they're all again. They're with, with very few exceptions. They're all just they're kind of good but not great. Um, there's a few there that you'll use very often. There's a few there that you'll use once every blue moon. Uh, it, it's just flex, right? It just adds flex to units mm. that you know already had relatively good flex, but probably worse than average base stats. If that makes sense, we're talking about units yeah. here that are that are worse than space marine counterparts and worse than most other uh, chaos counterparts as well, for that matter. But just have. Uh, by virtue of stratagems and aura abilities and things like that, they've got some some cool abilities and cool ways to do damage or just cool play style. And this just gives you more options. I sort of look at yeah. it as like a, a toolbox that you get to pick and choose a few things from, and just you know they're, they're the sort of things that if if you if you play demons and you like playing demons and it's sort of it, it's the army you like playing, they're things to keep in mind, but not necessarily to get too worked up in trying to find a way to use them. You more sort of yeah. want to let you know let the game dictate when when it's the right time to use these sort of pocket strategies. That's sort of how I, how I look at these ones. Now, when I'm, when I'm looking at these bundles of four, the Zinch ones, the Zinch ones just obviously stand out to me as the, the, the best. They've got four stratagems there, and except for the last one, the one for the chariots and, and, and stuff, even that like you, you might use like once in, once in a tournament. But the yeah. other three, I feel like if you're playing, especially if you're playing a mono Zinch, you're going to get so much value from those or primary Zinch. The other ones, I can't say this. I couldn't say the same for any others except for the, Nur- the Nurgle one. The, um, the Beast of Nurgle buff and the re- resurrecting um, Nurglings, I feel like those are evergreen. Like, they're going to be game in game out you're going to use those the other two i'm not too sure i mean the corn ones fall flat a little bit the brass stampede is incredible but the unit it's on is mediocre at best um and the other two uh, so the other three are, are really kind of crap yeah <laughs> yeah I, I again i think if you're already taking these units they're they're good options to have but nothing mm. is going to change the the list that you're building around having access to this strategy like there's, well, yeah, exactly. there's, it's, there's it's, certain strats that you just say, oh, well, I'm taking this unit because I have access to this stratagem and it's good. Mm-hmm. None, there are none of those here. So just thinking out loud, um, there's, yeah, you're right. There's literally none of these that you would build around. Not even a single one in here would you actually build around. Would you actually plan for? Would you actually plan it even a play around? You're just going to be like, hey, if I'm in this position and uh, this seems good, I'll use it. I'm not even, you're not going to line it up for this to be usable all the time. Like, it's just, it's just some things I feel like they missed. Um, like they could have added another feather. They could add another dynamic to these units rather than just them doing something they were always going to do a little bit better. If that makes sense? Yeah, well, like you might deploy your screamers in a certain way because your plan is to jump out and fight a certain vehicle you know, on yeah, the first turn because the plus one to wound helps. And you might, you know, you, you, you might drop your flamers in a certain place because that extra little bit of damage is going to help you clear something out. And like, you know, you might throw your demonettes into your opponent a certain way because you get that extra AP one. There, there are certain things that might change game on game, but nothing. And look, personally, what really matters to me is when I'm building the list and thinking about strategies I'm going to use when I'm building the list. There's nothing I'm going to look at here and say, well, I'm going to change what I'm going to take in the list because I have access to this strategy. Oh, so that's, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. You're coming out from the other way. Yeah. They're, 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 they're good. Some of them are good in the moment, but none of them are good at a, at a list building, you know, a list building level, I think. I mean, that's just how I feel about them holistically. Yeah, and I guess you could say from a fundamental level, no matter what army you take, just about every unit in your army has a stratagem that's that is of moderate to good, except for bloodletters. Bloodletters one's trash, but <laughs> is of moderate to good yeah. applicability. Like you're gonna you're gonna use the ones that they're that are applicable to them. So maybe we'll just leave it there because I think that that's a pretty good summation of the the stratagems. So we're gonna take an ad break now. 
And then when we come back, we're going to be talking Exalted Greater Demons. And I think this is, if there's anybody, the Chaos Demon players out sitting there, they're going to be like, yeah, we didn't care about the strats either, mate. Just get to the Greater Demons. So we will join you after a short ad break to hear from these amazing people who are supporting the Frontline Gaming Network. So we'll be right back, guys. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups. It would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. And welcome back. Uh, so, all right. We have these things called greater demons. They haven't been very good. They're for a very long time. They haven't been very good. I mean, the only one I can ever remember seeing, like even in 7th edition, when you had the Tetrad, yeah, there was four demon princes of different gods. It wasn't even four greater demons of different gods. And then sometimes you'd see Fate Weaver because he was broke as a joke for a lot of lists with the Grimoire and stuff. But yeah, then man. all of 8th edition, not a single greater demon, unless it was Aisto, Karis, Super Chicken for those three months that he, ru- he ruined everyone's lives. I had a, I had a bloodthirst of the year I came second at Terracon. It was the biggest waste of 180 points I've ever played with. <laughs> they were just tragic, weren't they? But yeah, they were then they, all, they, got, they all got these incredible models, and now they're like, okay, so we need some incredible rules to go with these incredible models. So, all right, Exalted Greater Demons. You want to give us a little rundown of what this means? Uh, yeah, look, essentially it's just uh, th- think about it like the way that you would upgrade uh, certain units to characters in in the Knights book, for example, and you take war gear on them. This is just an upgrade that lets you take uh, one of six, uh, I, I guess, abilities. So the idea there is that you can uh, you can either roll two dice and pick both abilities, or you can just pick one. Um, so there are mm-hmm. certain times when rolling the dice is just is good. There are some of them that have great options across all six, and there are other yep. times, uh, like the Bloodthirster, I think, which is probably the best example of it, where you just there's one that you're going to want. And you're just going to take yeah. that. So I think it's really cool. They've given you the flex to uh, to roll two and pick two randomly, or just to uh, take one. Sure, what, yeah. What I what I didn't like a lot about um, eighth edition in general was all the psychic powers that are like, oh, well, you can randomly select them, or you can just choose. I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I'm why just would gonna you? Choose. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. choose, right? Like, why would I randomly select them? Um, but I like that they're actually giving you an upside to uh, to randomly selecting them. So I think that's really cool. Um, 
essentially they're just buffs for your for your greater demons, and yeah, I think that's I good think... because they're not very good. Uh, well, they weren't very good before <laughs> getting these uh, yeah. these buffs. So we're going to jump into the core ones first. They're the first ones to come up in the book. Exalted Bloodthirsters. Now, each of these is a strategy. You have to spend a CP to, re to make your greater demon and exalted, uh, which I think is fair. The buffs are all really relevant. So I'll just um, quickly run down the buffs the Bloodthirsters get. So, you know, as I just said, you can either roll or choose. Um, on the D6, so if you roll a 1, you get uh, Hellfire Wrought Armor. This uh, increased the model to a save case of 2+, plus instead of a 3-plus armor save. Uh, next one, this model cannot lose more than eight wounds in the same phase. Any damage inflicted after this point has no effect. Superb. Uh, yeah, number can three, I, Arch can I stop you there, Adam? Yeah, okay, okay. sure, sure. <laughs> Do you know that meme where the guy is standing and he uh, slowly rolls his head back and has the ooh face? That's how yeah, I feel yeah. about these first two. And if anyone yeah. who's listening knows the meme I'm talking about, uh, that's exactly what I'm doing right now with my head back over the, my chair and my face <laughs> quite wide. Um, yeah, I'll let you finish now. All right. <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> Number three, add one to the damage characteristic of all weapons this model is equipped with. Four, uh, Slaughterborn. If uh, in the charge phase, this model makes a charge move, is charged by enemy units or from the heroic intervention, add one to the strengths and attacks characteristic. Until the end of the fight phase, this is culminative with unstoppable ferocity. Five, Rage Unchained. This model is considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining uh, what row is used on its damage profile. And six, Unrivaled battle lust. When a charge roll is made for this model, add two to the result. In addition, this model can perform a heroic intervention of six inches rather than three and can move six instead of three. So, yeah, as soon as I read those first two, I was like, that's good. Uh, that's even better. And then the rest, I was like, yeah, fair enough. Okay, yep, cool. Just going through the motions for the other four. It's, it's, but it's that second one, isn't it? Man, they are, seriously, they are all good. Um, they, are, they are actually all good. Um, the but way I like, look at this, right, is if your opponent can shoot you off the board, you have to take number two. Yeah. Uh, so the way that that will work is you'll just deep strike it. You'll probably try and hide the Bloodthirster, honestly, but you deep strike it, mm. you lose your eight wounds, and then the next turn you get to charge something. Yeah. Um, yep. They are, seriously, they are all good. If um, It may not be a popular opinion, but if you're playing against an army that doesn't have heaps of shooting that isn't going to be able to put it down in one turn, while dealing with the other threats you have reliably, uh, I would roll. I would always roll two for the Bloodthirster, I think. Uh, there you go. If, if you've got shooting, um, if, I've got, so if I've got enough shooting, the safe and responsible thing to do is to uh, take the, uh, the can't lose more than eight wounds. Yeah. I mean, against Guard, you're just like, yeah, I'm just taking it. There's there's no chance he doesn't die in one turn from Bender to Cadia and stuff like that. Same would be for Eldar. Stuff that, like, yeah, it's, it's just, it is just a safe bet. You're just going to get to use him. Now, what's I found, what are, the reason I found some of that stuff lackluster is because three out of the six of those are just making one of the killiest models in the game more killy. I'm of the opinion he doesn't need to be more killy. Um, you need to make sure he actually gets to kill something. He actually gets to connect, which is why I like the charge one and the other, the, the first two, the increasing, increasing the armor save and, yeah, not losing more than eight wounds. Um, like, the damage characteristic is nice. It's cute. Like, but still, you should be picking your battles. If it's, a, it's a freaking bloodthirster. Like, if you are charging something and you can't kill it, why are you charging it? Yeah, man, 100%. And I think, uh, look, I, I think when you look at a a set of abilities like this where they all have some really good upside, um, you do have to look at it and you have to pick based on what you're playing against, right? If I'm playing mm -hmm. this Marine gun line, there's no way I'm ever going to pick anything other than than not losing more than eight wounds. If I yeah. think I'm actually screwed, like if I think I'm in 
that bad of a position before the game begins, I might even roll and just try and get that and something else and try and get that incremental yeah. value if I think I'm just going to lose regardless. But it depends on your list. It depends on how likely your opponent is to target the Bloodthirster. If you don't have other threats, you're going to be you know, jamming in their face uh, to draw some fire away from it. Um, <coughs> it. It depends a lot about on what you've got and what your opponent's got. And that's what yeah. I really like about this. I, I like that it just gives you options and different mm. situations are going to give you different uh different best choices uh so look, there, there is there is a clause we have to read out now so just to i'm hoping you're aware of this matt but there's a match play rule called demonic jealousy in a match play game you can only select each exalted ability once this does not prevent other exalted greater demons from having the same exalted ability uh but only if you have been if uh they have been rolled for randomly if you are randomly rolling for exalted abilities, write random on your army list for that unit and roll the dice before the battle in front of your opponent. So if you do plan to pick, you have to have it stated as picking on your army list and have that for the whole tournament. You can't pick and choose, which I, th I think would have been cool if they'd let you do that because I think it, it adds a bit of unique flavor and customization to these guys. Because at the moment, I feel like that just means for the vast majority of the time, you're just going to pick. Well, it depends on what's in your army, right? But yeah, absolutely. If you've yeah. got, you know, four, you know, big, big threats, you're going to be jamming down your opponent's face turn one, and you put your bloodthirster in reserve. Maybe you don't need to do that. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you are, you are right. In in the same vein as the the psychic power simplification and, the, and you know all, all that sort of stuff, where everything is you know set the way it is before the game begins. Now you do lose some of that flex. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I think you need to look at what you've got in your army and what's you know strong in the meta right now and decide what's important. But if you're going to take the bloodthirst, mm. again, like I said before, bloodlust is you know, it, it's probably the best one. Yeah, I agree. Um, you want to hear up the first of the artifacts? Oh, so, and just to clarify, these artifacts aren't just for the bloodthirst; they're for corn demons. As long as you've got, um, oh, wait, sorry. No, uh, if your just, army is led by a warlord yeah. with the corn demon faction, you can give one of the following Hellforge artifacts to an exalted bloodthirster bottle from your army instead of, yeah, from once in books. So apologies. I, it was the exact opposite of what I just said. So yeah, you want to hit the first one. Feel free yeah. to not try and pronounce it. Oh, mate. Uh, Grimax the Destroyer. Oh, wow. Mate, that's, uh, you killed it. You killed it. That's horrible. <laughs> uh, this, this, is, um, this is for the, the axe bloodthirst. So you need to have the axe of corn, uh, mm -hmm. and it's a strength plus three, AP minus four, D6 damage weapon. Uh, that has a minimum of three damage on the D6. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, again, kind of cool. Uh, in addition, the first time the model with the relic is destroyed, roll a dice on a four plus, you set it again uh, as close as possible to where it was destroyed uh, with D6 wounds remaining, and you lose your wallow traits, relics, and exalted abilities if you had them. So essentially, you set up a new bloodthirst that doesn't have the the same wallow traits, relics, etc., uh, just with D6 wounds left after the model's destroyed. Um, that's cool. Yeah. What bothers me there is it's not as good as, um, say, Celestine or Gilliman's, where they set up at the end of the phase. If you get shot down in the middle of the shooting phase, you stand up straight away and they shoot you down again. That's That bothers me a little bit. Uh, it does say at the end of the phase, man. Oh, really? Man, I'm just messing up. Apologies, guys. Yeah, you're absolutely uh, right. So this is this is legit. I mean, it's only yeah. on a four plus, but it's actually cool because you're getting an improved weapon with a, a much higher... Um, ceiling of damage or reliability of damage yeah. on top of that you're getting a chance to get the guy back i think it's cool yeah man i 100 percent agree i think it's a very good relic yeah i think it's good if you're gonna run the axe bloodthirster i would strongly recommend running this as well no good stuff all right uh blood drinker talisman roll 1d6 each time an attack made with a melee weapon by a model with this relic is just destroys an enemy model on a five plus the model re with the relic regains one lost wound after it was 
after he resolved all of his close combat attacks for the, that fight, a model with this relic cannot regain more than eight wounds lost in the same turn um, as a result of this artifact. Yeah, that's cool as well. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah it's okay. I mean, I that, I, if, you, in, if you didn't have to write it on your list, you would take that in conjunction with um, Blood Blessed. Uh, if you like, you know, you're playing into a non-shooty orc list or something, something that doesn't have capacity to take off more than eight wounds. Like you can just, you, they they fight you down your eight your eight wounds, and you get back above, uh, you get back to nine wounds, and therefore they can't kill you again next fight phase. They take you down to one, and then you get to fight again. That kind of stuff could be cool. Yeah, I think the the resurrect might just be better, but obviously this affects different weapons, right? This affects uh, not just bloodthirsters that have a. Uh, that's um, a corn. With, with yeah. an axe, right? So that, that, that's, yeah. uh, that's a separate thing. I also just want to say how ridiculous it is that I have to pronounce that ridiculous weapon and you get to re- <laughs> pronounce blood drinker talisman in plain English. Hey, uh, it's my show. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, I already look silly <laughs> by not reading it at the end of the phase in that last one anyway. Um, no, you want to grab the last one for us? <laughs> yeah, well, at least this one's simple. Rune of Brass. Oh, look at that. Oh, nice, yeah, pure, yeah. pure English words that I can silk, actually silk on the Silk on the tongue, mate. Uh, enemy psychers that suffer perils of the warp on any psychic test that includes any doubles while they are within 16 inches of this model. Enemy psychers that suffer perils of the warp whilst they are within 16 inches of this model suffer three mortal wounds. Uh, do not roll to determine how many mortal wounds are inflicted. Um, I think it's okay. I think the only real problem is that most savvy opponents will just stay away and it's very yeah. hard to force this to uh, you know, to be there. And given that this is a relic you have to write on your army list, it's not good every game. So it's going to yeah. be good in no tournaments because you're not going to take this over the other two as a yep. generalist relic to take. And on top of that, there's already a really amazing peril-forcing ability that Chaos already have in the demon book. So well, I think this, you've already got one, one yeah. springs. This one forces more fail, oh, sorry, more perils, but mm-hmm. you're right. You already have that, uh, that other tool uh, from yeah, the you've already Chaos got the- demon book. You've already got this. what this brings. This would be a nice cherry on top if you could get both running or if you knew you were going to be facing a density of psychers. But yeah, if, if you're not, it's just going to be wasted like you know four or five out of six games. Yeah, um, I agree. So Bloodthirsters, what do you think? Are you, are you, do you like Bloodthirsters? you like where they sit? you like what they do? You're going to take them? I, I like all the greater demons. I think they're all really cool. Um, I haven't got a list for a Bloodthirster yet, but it doesn't mean I don't like it. I just don't have the right place for it to go. Um, yeah. I've tried a little bit to find a list for a Bloodthirster. I, I know it's a bit of a weird thing to say, right? Because I, I'm, I'm saying the unit's good and it's got some good options. I just haven't found the army that works with it properly yet. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like it's a little bit overshadowed. I'm feeling like there's another greater demon in here that does what the Bloodthirster does uh, a little bit more reliably, a little bit faster. Um, yeah, I, and I agree. I feel like it's just it's just a little bit in the shadow now, which it's it's it should it's a bloodthirster. It was the sickest thing ever for so long. It's like weapon skill ten, you can only hit on fives. It's amazing. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm I still like him. I still think like all the buffs they got are very relevant. All the relics they've got, except for that last one, you wouldn't you it wouldn't suck to take them on your army list if that makes sense. Like no, especially if you're taking yeah. the, the axe, especially if you're taking the axe of corn, like you would just take that one. That's it. And I think again, I think you're kind of forced to take that, and you're kind of forced to take. Can't lose more than eight wounds, and it's just like you're stacking. I guess you're not completely stacking defensive buffs because that axe is a good weapon, right? Minimum of, uh, of three good. damage yeah. is good, but again, you need the right supporting units to make that work, and I'm just not sure what they are yet. So perhaps someone else has figured it out. I, you know, I haven't seen any lists getting around with bloodthirsters that are 
tearing up the meta anywhere. But I'm not saying that that's not not, not possible or that's not the case. I reckon there's uh, an argument to be made that they're very good. I agree. All right. Uh, next one, we're up to the locks, the laws of change. So, all right, I'll reel off the what you get on your D6 roll. First one, Mastery of Magic. Uh, this model knows one additional psychic power from the Zinch discipline and can attempt to manifest one additional psychic power in each of your psychic phases. Uh, two, Spell Thief. When this model successfully denies a psychic power, the psychic unit that attempted to manifest that power loses it and cannot attempt to manifest it again that battle. <clears throat> uh, Lord of Flux. When an enemy unit suffers a mortal wound as a result of a psychic power manifested by this model, that enemy model suffers one additional mortal wound. Um, E.g., if this model manifests smite, the nearest enemy unit would suffer D3 plus one. Four, Nexus of Fate. If this model is on the battlefield at the start of your turn, roll a D6 on a one or a six, you immediately gain one command point. Five, Aura of Mutability. When this model would lose a wound as a result of an attack, roll 1d6. On a six, that wound is not lost. After that unit has finished resolving all of its attacks against this model, that unit reg- that model regains one lost wound for each wound it negated because of this ability. And six, Architect of Deception. When resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon against this model, subtract one from the hit roll. So there's one, there's two there that I think are incredible. And the rest are kind of good, but not, not mind-bending. What are your yeah, thoughts, I think, mate? I think they're all good. I, I'm curious to see which two you think are incredible first. So I, I, I've got a good idea about one of them. I'm curious to see what oh, the yeah, other or, one is. Or, or of mutability is just yeah, insane. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's just insane. I like yep. Spell Thief, but it's, it's too specific for me to think it's great as my second yeah. one. So I think Spell Thief is terrible, actually. Um, yeah. And again, cool. because if you're gonna um, if you're gonna write this on your army list. Think about all the games you play against no psychers where it's just like... Yeah, exactly right. It's yeah. just useless. Um, I, actually, I actually think that's the worst one, funny enough. I actually think so, I, well, Lord, of Flux, Lord of Flux is the other one. I thought those were the two best. Lord of Flux like, or Immutability. Just Lord plus of one Flux model. is good. Yeah, Lord of Flux yeah. is good. Um, Mastery of Magic, I think, is better than Lord of Flux. Just having an extra power, yeah. I think, is is probably better than an extra mortal wound. Uh, well, but, he already has he already has two, yeah, and can cast two, so he'd go to knowing three and casting three, yeah, in addition to yeah. Smite, right? So Aura of Mutability... Uh, plus the impossible robe is just oof. It's so good. It's insane. I'm yeah, a huge fan of that combo. Um, I think that's so. The, what's 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 the uh, impossible robe for those at home? Uh, that, that's the the plus one involve. So you get the three plus involve. Uh, you get one re-roll on your involve save uh, per game. But if you roll a one, the model's destroyed. So obviously you save that re-roll for when it's is it very is it close if you, to death. If you roll a one, or is it if you fail it? I thought it was if you uh, fail it. Oh, I thought it was just for your all one. Uh, let me no, just you quickly, might be right. I, I, I would let trust me you over me. Quickly double check. I'm pretty sure it's if you roll a one. Yes, the wearer of the impossible robe has a four plus invulnerable save, but you get plus one because you are you have the the zench yep. plus one invulnerable, so you go to a three plus. In addition, once per game, you can reroll a failed single saving throw. If you roll a one, the wearer uh, is immediately slain. There you go. So you can still roll so, two. That's cool. So you take that. You take this. You go three plus plus six plus feel no pain. If your opponent is shooting a lot of small guns at you, you know you're likely to uh, to heal a wound back here and there. Um, I think it's really, really good. I think it's insanely good. I think it just just makes him into such a damage sponge that it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, I agree. Um, there are other ones that are good, like minus one to hit is okay. Uh, yeah. There are some there are some cool things here where if you were to roll them out, you could get some really cool combos. But I think that aura of mutability is just uh, it's just above Too and good. beyond better than uh than the rest it's, of them yeah so for 
for just for those who, who might not have cl- clued on, we thought for a bloodthirster, you're pretty much always going to pick. You're pretty much always just going to pick. And I think because of how much better order of mutability is than the other five, you're just going to pick for the lock as well. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I, I wouldn't be taking a lot of change without picking without that, it. Yeah, personally, nah, I just don't that, think it's worth sad. it. Yeah. All right, you want to hit us on the first uh, the first artifact? It's it's that's fine. It's 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 Warfire Blades, mate. It's right. Yeah, it's 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 all good. <laughs> uh, so this replaces this, this, yeah, Warpfire Blade replaces uh, the Baleful Sword, so the the Zinch Sword. It's strength plus two, AP three, D six damage. When resolving an attack made with this weapon, an unmodified roll a wound roll of six uh, inflicts D three mortal wounds as well. Um, it just does damage, and for me, I don't think that's good enough as a reason to take a relic. Uh, personally, I just think uh, well. The- issue is here we're comparing all these relics to the impossible robe well that, that's it right is you you just you, you're pretty much always going to want the impossible robe <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> and what you don't want to do more damage and as a result not live personally yeah so uh well, you've, got, think... you've got so many other you're a demon arm you've got so many other things to do damage why yeah, do you want your what change to do it i mean you can pinch it. it fine you can pinch it into into uh Objective secure squads, no issues. A couple of smides go in, finish off the last couple of dudes, no problems. But trying to make him like be a beast stick, you just I think you're just wasting points. Well, he actually fights okay the way that he is. He does, yeah. Personally. He I, don't, I don't think you need to uh yeah, to give him a relic to you know, to increase that, you know, that part of his ability personally. All right. Uh, next one, Salt Eater Stave. Roll one D6 when a psychic power manifested by a model with this relic destroys an enemy model. On a full plus, the model with this relic immediately regains one wound. A model cannot regain more than nine lost wounds during the same turn as a result of this relic. Man, how many how many, how many, many mortal wounds do you think you're putting out with this guy? You can put out nine though, can't you? You could, you could oh, well, roll you the three super- on the bolted change and get a super smite on a six. Yeah, yeah. You can, well, I, I guess... How do you do more than that? I guess the only way you can do more than that is if you have the plus one damage and, and you've got the oh, yeah, uh, that's true. the extra power. But look, again, it's it, it's good. There's there's nothing wrong with this, right? This is actually, you know, this is actually pretty good. Actually, but pretty I, good, isn't it? Yeah. I think that the impossible robe is better. Now, if you were to run two of these guys, you'd probably take this yeah. in the second one. Personally, I think you'd do that. But I think the impossible robe is still a better relic if you're just going well, to run one. Touch on the last one, and then we'll surmise the three. Yeah, the crystal tome. Oh, look at this respectable, <laughs> respectable stench. Right, all their relics, plain, easy English. You know, I don't have to make myself look like an idiot on a on an international podcast. You know, it's it's great. Uh, the beginning of your opponent's <laughs> turn, select one enemy character model within twelve inches of a model with this relic. You and your opponent then roll off. Your opponent adds a leadership characteristic of their model to the result, and you add yours. If a total equals or beats your opponent's role, then all or abilities their character model has cannot be used until the beginning of your opponent's next turn. Um, it's kind of good. It's not really as good as the Solita Stave. It's not really as good as Vox Scream that you'd, you know, if you wanted the sort of ability you'd ally in, you wouldn't mm. be putting this on your list, right? Because this is really good situationally, but yeah. You wouldn't be paying the command points before the game to you know to to deck your your lot of change out with this, not knowing you're going to get value out of it is what I sort of think here. For mine, it's there's too many terms and conditions here. It's only a twelve inch aura, even though it's on a big base. It's still only a twelve inch aura. Um, you have to roll leaderships, so you can still fail the roll without a reroll um, unless you fa- um, gift a faded it. Yeah, I, I feel like there's too many things you need to do here to make this to make this get value. So you need to be against the right army within 12 inches and beat their leadership. Um, it just seems it, rough. 
it is cool that you get to uh like you get to do it every turn while your lord of change is alive like it's not just a one-off yeah Um, Yeah, that's true that's cool but i just i i think again if we're playing in a world where you can pick this stuff game to game and you can change what you've got then there are times when this would be good but i think right now uh the way that the game is that you just you probably would never pick it well that's the thing especially because so he's he's leadership nine yeah and most characters with decent auras are going to be eight to nine. So, and it says you have to beat. You can't if you're total equal or beats. So you have to roll a nine or better, um, which is we know is only a one third chance on the two d six. Yeah. So I just it. like are you, even if you get within twelve inches range, only one third of the time are, are you going to beat their starting leadership. And that's so that's just be, that's gone averages and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah I feel and, like it. It could be a lot better. Man, but when it goes like, off, it's going to be crazy. Like if it goes off, it's crazy. Yeah, man, you just have to look at it though, right? It's uh, it's one of those things where you've got to get your Lord of Change up there. You don't have one of the two defensive relics, so you're unable to really keep the guy alive. Uh, and then you've got to pass this, get this off, and then not die in retaliation. Mm, exactly right. It's just uh, I, I, I wouldn't be picking it personally. Yeah. All right. So surmising the the Zinch ones, I think this is one where you just the his whole the whole the whole exalted greater demon is already polarized for us. It's it's laid out so easily to know what the best build is here. And the secondary the fact is the secondary builds don't come anywhere near to being as good as that primary build. The the aura mutability with the impossible robe, exalted lord of change, phenomenally good. Like yep. straight up, yeah. And the next 100%. the next best one is like almost not even contention, which is a little bit sad, but it's okay. Well, look. I think there's actually I think there's actually two builds here, right? I think if you were going to run two, that the uh, the stave mutilation getting sorry the solid stave sorry I'm thinking of the wrong thing here the solid stave getting wounds back and then mastery of magic or Lord of Flux uh, on that guy he he still has a four plus invul and he doesn't have the six plus plus if you really wanted it you could put the changeling in there and get that but we're talking about a, a lot of points at this point so you yeah. probably wouldn't but. I, I think there's two good lords change if you are that way inclined. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's cool. And obviously that's amazing for Zinch players. So all right, we're up to <laughs> Exalted Greater and Clean Ones. Yeah, right, so let's read out what they get. So first one, bloated with corruption. This model has a toughness characteristic of eight. Uh, next is resulting resilient. Add one to the disgusting resilient rolls made for this model. Three, Avalanche of Rotten Flesh. When a charge roll is made for this model, add one to the result. In addition, this model's crushing bulk ability inflicts D3 mortal mortal wounds on a 2+, instead of one mortal wound on a 4+. Living Plagues is number four. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by this model, a successful hit roll scores one additional hit if the attack's strength characteristic is at least twice the target's toughness. Number five, Gift of Bountiful Vomit. In each of your shooting phases, you can select one enemy unit that is visible to this model and roll a d6 for each model in that unit within that is in 12 of this model to a maximum of seven dice. For each roll of a three plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Six, Hideous Visage. Subtract one from the leadership characteristic of enemy units whilst they're within 12 of any models with this ability from your army. Subtract two instead if they are within six. Yeah. Revoltingly Resilient is pretty sick, yeah. That's the only good one, I think. I think it's the only um, good one, yeah. Toughness eight is nice. Yeah, but it, it's it's not going to make you any defensively tougher than plus one to dr is, right? That's that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, the the four plus plus plus, I guess for the fellow pain is just better than being t eight for the few weapons in the game that are you know strength eight. Um, 
I, I actually think this is quite kind of a disappointing set of yeah, rules I here. That it just like the there are so many that are just awkward. Like yeah, avalanche of rotten flesh. It's like cool. You get D three mortal wounds probably once. Yeah, living plagues. Oh great, one one extra hit on a couple of attacks sometimes. Yeah, if you're in combat, if you're not fighting anything you're scared of, like literally, gift of um, bountiful vomit. You've got to get up close with a really really slow model. See, I really like the amount of damage app which you get from that, but you're never going to get to use it. Like you might get to use it once. Well, a maximum of seven dice rolling on three ups. That's like cool. You're going to get five, yeah, two five or models. three. It's like, well, no, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It's four or five. Yeah. Sorry. But it's, yeah, if you, if you chuck a smite on top of that, you can do like seven to eight mortal wounds a turn. That's really respectable. The problem is though, like you get to do it once and then the guy's like, oh, he's going to explode now and you, you pop him. Um, and you can't do multiple damage to one model it has to be a unit oh, that's, that's so true it's yeah. like you can't do like you can't do like five model wounds to a character you get to do one model mm-hmm. wound or three up to that character so it's just or, like or a vehicle or yeah 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 it, it, it's just it, it's just not great i i think revoltingly revoltingly resilient is just the uh is the outstanding the, one here it's like quite yeah. a quite a long way mm. it's true how many wounds has he got he's got has he got 18? He's got 18 as well, so he doesn't get obscuring. Yeah. That's why. He's 18. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rough days ahead. Unfortunate. Great unclean ones. I'm going to read the first of the relics because I'm a generous, benevolent host. Oh, lovely. Um, Effluvia. <laughs> <laughs> Exalted great unclean one with a plague flail only. The relic replaces a plague flail and has the following profile. Uh, range 7, assault 6, strength plus 1, minus 3, 2 damage. Uh, the bearer can make attacks with this weapon whilst within one of an enemy unit, uh, and attacks with this weapon can target enemy units within one of friendly units. Excess damage from this weapon is not lost. Instead, keep allocating damage to another model until or either all damage has been allocated or the unit is destroyed. So it acts like a, a plague flail for um, yeah. plague marines and yeah, uh, death guard. Um, is it any good though? Six shots at strength plus one, minus three, two damage. Yeah, I don't, so he still gets to shoot it in combat, which is nice. It's okay. Like it's, it's the damage. It's, spelling, yeah, it's not great, right? It's it's just okay. Mm. Um, I I wouldn't pay a command point for it. Like, yeah, it's true. It, it's fair. It's only really good at killing like a bunch of like shit kicker units and like, like, shit kicker yeah. models. Like, <laughs> it. I guess it's okay into like intercessors and things, but seven inch range it's just so restrictive and the guy's so slow. Um, yeah. Like the, the way I sort of look at this, right, is like you're going to claim one if it's going to be, if he's going to be across the board and in your opponent's face, either you're just crushing the game and you're going to win anyway uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know it, it's just you're not going to be in a position where this damage is going to contribute to you winning the game. Either you've already won the game um, and this or is just pushing on the cake. Yeah, or they're pushing yeah. your absolute face in and you're trying to dig yourself out and this isn't going to save you. Yeah, I, I don't think this helps you win the game is I yeah, guess what fair. I'm trying to say here. All right, next one, my man. Tome of a Thousand Poxes. That's a lot of poxes. A model with this relic knows one additional power from the Nurgle Discipline and in addition, any unmodified result of psychic test of a seven uh, is manifested and cannot be denied. Um, That's pretty cool. It's no good, man, because all the power is bad. 
Uh, there are very <laughs> so, so um, like it's miasma, yeah. There's miasma yeah, and there's the plus one toughness. It's miasma. And, no, it, the other one is regain D three wounds. That's that one's okay. okay. Yeah. But you, you don't want three powers on him because there aren't three good powers. Miasma is good, especially if you're building a hard skill GUO. You know, miasma um, plus one discussing resilience pretty good. But you don't need you don't need a third power on him. Well, here's the issue that you give him a third power that he can't cast. Like if there was a cool, you'd be taking a cool flex power that he doesn't get to use because you've got those two powers that you mentioned. You're probably going to use every turn, so it's like he gets his third power that you're going to use once, maybe. Yeah, the the minus one toughest one isn't bad. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind that, but yeah, I just I, I don't think it's very good, and I think the uh, it, it feels really really underwhelming for a relic to me. That's fair. All right, I'll touch the last one. Um, the Endless Gift, a model with this relic regains one wound at the end of each phase in which it lost any wounds. So anytime you lose a wound, you get one back. Um, any phase, not any time, but yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> uh, it's cute, but it's just not going to make a difference. The fact that this guy can't hide, even like, even, let's, say, let's say you could like, theoretically he was 17 wounds instead of 18. You could run behind... You could run behind a pillar or something, like after you've been shot or whatever, next turn and regain some wounds, like heal yourself, kind of get out of dodge, um, and maybe hopefully keep this guy alive. But he's 18 wounds. You just can't keep him alive when you want to. It's, Man, it, it bothers uh, me. Armies that are going to shoot him dead are not going to shoot him dead two or three wounds per phase. They're going to shoot him dead no. yeah. 10, yeah. 12 wounds and then kill him the next turn. And exactly this only right. really helps... If people are sitting there pegging, oh, I might just shoot this one scout with a missile launcher at you. Oh, cool. I did three damage and now you get one back. Oh, yeah, you know, that's it's, true. Yep. It's just, it's not valuable, I don't think. I just, I, I think all of these relics are pretty average. Um, hmm. What I would love to have seen if that one read, a model with this relic is, takes one less damage than it would take. If it had Serpent Shield, that would be sick. Oh, I mean, minus one damage would be great on it, actually. Yeah. So I good. It'd be actually phenomenal. That, that plus the DR. The four plus DR, insane. Well, you'd actually have a genuinely tough GUO at that point. But yeah. honestly, man, between the, uh, the 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 abilities and these relics, it feels like the worst one. It feels easily like the worst one. Like, is yeah. I mean, we're about to go into the keeper, but um, I know the keeper's good already. So this well, this uh, the good everyone, play one is. Yeah, everyone knows the keeper's good. Already. Everyone knows the keeper's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just a bit sad how how bad he is. Um, yeah, he's not fast. Um, he's he's not he's not fast. He's not killy. He's not flexible, and he can't be hidden. He, like you can't get him anywhere meaningful quickly. And when you're getting there, you can't keep him alive. Even if you take all the buffs, like yeah, he doesn't even hit that good when he gets there. He's exactly gets right. There. Doesn't even do that much damage. Like, yeah, this game seems, it seems like a ninth edition is all about speed and being flexible and being able to do more than one thing. And if you can only do one thing, be stupidly good at that one thing. Um, and he's just not that good at anything. To be fair, he helps you hold the middle of the board. Um, but take like, his points in beast, you'll do it better and you'll uh, like yourself uh, more. Or, <laughs> or any other, you know, multitude of things. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, all right. Keepers of secrets. This is I, th- I like that this one's last because I'm guessing everyone's listening to us to hear us talk about the keepers. Oh, maybe the locks are pretty sick as well, though. Um, all right. First one that you roll, Realm Dancer. Add two to this model's move characteristic, and when an advanced or charge roll is made for this model, add one to the result. Quick Civil Reflexes. This model has a four-plus invuln save. 
uh, Blessing of the Dark Prince. When resolving an attack made with a ranged weapon against this model, subtract one from the ruined roll. Oof. Uh, next one, Lightning Flayer. When resolving an attack made with a melee weapon by this model, a uh, modified hit roll of six scores one additional hit. Fear Seeker. Once per morale phase after an enemy unit fails a morale test, but before the mo- any models flee from that unit, this model can move as if you're moving phase, as long as it ends this move closer to the unit that failed the morale test. In addition, each time an uh, an enemy model flees from a unit whilst it's within six of this model, this model regains one lost wound. Battle Rapture. This model can perform a heroic intervention if there are enemy units within six instead of three and can move up to six instead of three. In addition, each time this Keeper Seeker consolidates, it moves D3 plus three instead of three. Hmm. Holy crap. <laughs> there so, is a lot uh, going on there. Like, I didn't, I didn't read anything there that I just went, well, that's bad. Um, yeah, well, what actually happened, the, uh, the bloke who wrote the, uh, the Nogal rules, right? He actually went on holiday, and the guy who finished uh, yeah, putting all the work into the keeper, the keeper rules had to quickly pump some stuff out for, uh, for the great unclean one. But you know, his real, his first love was the keeper of secrets, and he really thought about that. Um, it's these, plain are, to see, man. these are much better than than the the great unclean one, quite obviously. You would, um, you would legit roll for these, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be. Un- there's only well, so there's one that you would always. There's one or two you would always want, but you you wouldn't feel bad if you rolled, would you? You'd be like, all right, I'm going to end up with something good at the end of this, no matter what happens. It depends on uh, what your list is. If you are going to go the Monster Mash style of thing where you take three of them, uh, I'd be rolling on all three. Yes. Yeah, um, if you're just going to take one, look, there. Are, it, it depends on what you're trying to do, but there, there's so much value here. I feel like rolling is the way to go. Yeah. Um, yep. I feel like it is too. Like minus one to wound. Oh my god, that is so good. Four plus invuln as well. D- plus two to move and then plus one to advance and charge. Shit, that's plus four. You just get plus four to your move in the turn. That's it. And uh, with, with you know, with the ability to advance and charge, it's just, you know, ridiculously yeah. fast. The morale one. How do you weight that one up? I, I, it's a bit wonky. Uh, yeah. I, I I guess I like it. Um, I think that against big units where you're likely to actually kill a lot of stuff from morale if you've chunked it down. Um, the fact that they obviously your opponent chooses which models they pull, they're going to pull the ones that don't let you heal a wound. But I, I like yeah. that you just get the model back. You don't have to roll it. It's not, not on a two plus, not on a four plus. You just get that wound back every time someone you know dies to morale. Um, I think it's good. I, I, honestly, I think they're all good. I, I like all of them. So where it gets crazy for that one though, yeah? Once per morale phase, after an enemy unit fails a morale test, but before any models flee, there's no range restriction on that. It can be anywhere on the board. Yep. This model can move as if it was your move in phase. Yep. So you can, if you know, if you know that you've got a morale phase that's about to be failed in front of you, um, but you know there's one that's going to be failed on the other side of the board, you can wait for them to fail that one and move towards them. Yep. Instead 100%. of the one closest to you. There's a lot of agency there. There's a hell of a lot of agency there. You can do some broke ass crazy stuff your opponent won't see coming. Bear in mind how quick these units are, right? Like phenomenal you know, fast. Getting, getting to move again, you know, and, and it moves for your movement phase. So I, I'm assuming you can advance if you want to. Yep, I, yeah, um, absolutely. If you had like, Realm Racer, you'd get plus, you'd move an extra three inches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's good, I, man. I, I like all of them. I'll be right back. I'm just going to go buy three Keepers of Secrets. I want to play this Dude, army now. It sounds great. Yeah. It's phenomenally good. Um, yeah, I just feel like that's all winning. All of it is winning. I feel like minus one to wound is the one I would always want, though. If I could always pick one and then roll for another one, I'd always want to start with minus one to wound. Or, would, yeah. or, do, you wait the four, or do you wait the four plus invuln is better? Or Realm Racer? Uh, it depends on what's in 
in the list, right? Like it depends, it depends on what well, it depends on, well, it depends on what's your opponent's list. That's probably why I'd probably always roll. I think yeah, yeah, you're mostly likely to get one of the two defensive buffs. I I, I just roll. I think. That's yeah, the chaos that's thing fair. to do. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right. Jump over to the artifact. You can grab the first one, brother. Not a problem. Silver Strike. Uh, this replaces the Wit Stealer Sword. A little bit Wit Stealer Sword. So that very wrong. Um, it is a strength plus two AP three, three damage sword. And when you fight with this, you get two extra attacks. Uh, and you also subtract one from hit rolls uh, that target a model. Sorry. Sorry, subtract one from hit rolls made by a model that has lost any wounds from this weapon. So that's just maintaining the the Witsilla Swords uh, inbuilt passive already. Um, that doesn't come into play very often unless you're fighting a beefy character or a knight or something like that. Yeah, um, it's okay. It's just like it's just an extra couple of attacks. Um, I, I don't particularly rate it. I, I, I wouldn't be spending a relic for sorry, spending yeah. command points on a relic for two extra attacks that are. At the same profile that the Witsealer Sword already is, uh, I agree. Again, it's okay. It's just it's not great. All right, um, Whip of Agony, a model with a Living Whip only. This replaces Living Whip, has a falling profile. Range six, assault six, strength six minus three, two damage. The bearer can make attacks with this weapon whilst within one of an enemy unit, and attacks with this weapon can target enemy units within one of friendly units. Attack made with this weapon automatically hit. Uh, automatically wound. <laughs> Automatically wound, yeah. I was just like, what? It's, you should say automatically hit, but it doesn't. It says automatically wound, unless it's targeting a vehicle or titanic unit. So she hits on a two. Uh, yep. She, he, whatever, androgynous, uh, greater demon we have. Um, they hits on a two plus. Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, hits on a two plus, and it, it automatically is, wounds. It's it great. Is, it's good. And again, it's only six inch range, but you are so bloody fast. And it's an assault yeah. weapon, so you can advance, use this, advance. and still charge. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I like it a lot. Not rolling to wound is phenomenal. The, and it's like two damage, perfect for wasting intercessors. Like the intercessor unit you didn't want to char- have to charge, smash them. They're gone. Like you hit them on yeah. twos, auto wounders, they get a six up save, pick them up. Um, really good. Really good. Yeah, I agree. I really uh, like it. It's the standout so far. You want to hit the last one? The Jewel of Excess. Uh, when a model with this relic takes a psychic test while attempting to manifest a power from a Sunesh discipline, so just not smite, uh, add one. Uh, in addition, when a Denier of the Witch test is taken, uh, add one to that as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the whip's better. Um, and if you were going to take a second relic, uh, I think I would lean towards Forbidden Gem, personally. Oh, Absolutely. Like the forbidden, we're, we should weigh all these against the forbidden gem, really. In release reality, well, taking, the, the whip is probably the whip is probably good enough to you know to edge out the gem. I think. Really? Yeah, that's I interesting. Think, I, 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 I rate the gem really highly. I think it's phenomenal. I, I do too. Um, but yeah, I've, <laughs> I've I've been using that in almost every list for you know for a very long time. Um, I think the whip is. I think it might just be better. Um, where where I think the whip is insane is I think when you factor in the meta, a lot of the meta choices people are, ha- are taking, um, it's actually so, so, so good against a lot of like Harlequins, minus one to wound, doesn't matter, you, you auto wound. Um, they've already got hitting on two, so if they're minus one to hit, you're still hitting on threes. Like you're very good against MSU, like crazy good against MSU. Um, but the gem, I still think the gem adds a lot of utility. If you were taking multiple keepers, you just take both, like obviously. If you're taking yeah. one, I'm not sure which I'm not sure which way you go. It depends what role you want for want for the um the keeper. 
Yeah, look, I I actually don't think that one keeper is the way to go. I I actually think that the keepers work better in you know in pairs or or with three, I guess. But um, I I just think that's the I think it's the way to go. I think um, mm. that throwing one thing down your opponent's throat is okay, but throwing three, uh, yeah. especially when you're rolling random traits, the likelihood of getting defensive ones on two of them is pretty high. I think mm. that might just be the way to go. Again, at a first glance, I don't own any of these models. I haven't played any games with Keepers of Secrets. I know a lot of people are having, you know, some some pretty good success with them. Um, but I personally haven't, you know, played games with Keepers yet. So I, I can't really say exactly how good I think they are. But the damage output and all of the exalted traits being as good as they are, it feels, you know, it feels pretty good to me. They're, they are this book's um, paladins, aren't they? They're this book's... Um, Deathwing Knights, this book's like standout obvious. This is the best thing that came out of Psychic Awakening for Demons, yeah? Uh, yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah, man. They're, I mean, I think I th- they're very good. I think Ninth Edition has put like Nurglings in that same category, but that's because of the changes to rules and the price yeah. points and things. But whereas the actual rules changes, my God, they're terrifying. They can cross, they can cross a, they've got a smaller board to play on, they can cross it in a heartbeat kill whatever they feel like killing with enough CP put into them or enough um, artifacts or whatnot. They're just really well-rounded. They're, they're the right amount of wounds to stay safe as well if you wanted to hide them for a turn or two. Like, it's just, it's, they've got everything going for them. Yeah, I, I'm worried about the army that goes with them and what that looks like and how it mm. plays secondary as well. But I think well, in terms of just damage, these are, you know, these are standout. But they're, they're, better, they're better than the Bloodthirster, right? Um, the Bloodthirster yeah. is cool, but this just does what the Bloodthirsters do and it does it a bit better. Um, it does it better. Un- does it better, does un- it quicker. Yeah. It's unfortunate, right? But that's just, when I, I guess if you compare them like for like, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just better than the other ones. The, mm. the Lord of Change, it's, it's different to the Lord of Change that's really good, but you know, they're, they're still very, very good. Um, yeah. So that's that's the the whole review of the book. That's all the content we had for Chaos Demons. And while it might have not looked like there was much changed on the surface, we had a hell of a lot to talk about there because I think the fundamental they fundamentally changed how the Greater Demons work, and we needed to deep dive that. But here's the we're up to the rating system. How good do you think this book was? And we could almost do this god by god. Like, how good was this book to Corn? How good was it for Zinch? How good was it for that? But how good was this for Demons overall? What do you think? I think that it did not change anything about the demon lists that were getting around at the end of eighth, and I think this brought a lot of power to, to to the greater demons themselves, but not really to the faction uh, as a whole. Yeah. So I think yeah. that the keeper and the Lord of Change are the two uh, the, the, the two big changes here. They're the two units that have been made mm-hmm. viable by this by this book. But I don't think it's fundamentally changed anything else about any of the demon units. All those stratagems we spoke about earlier are very much pocket stratagems that you'll use occasionally. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas the changes to the the greater demons are what's going to determine if you include them in your army or not. And I guess that's yeah. how you, you judge if it's changed for you, right? If you've decided, well, this this keeper is better at this job that I had another unit for before. Well, that tells you how good the unit is. I, I, don't, I don't think it's changed mm-hmm. the power of the faction at all. But I think yeah. It's brought power to to units that weren't getting played before. All right, then. So, how good? So, if you were to rate them in the meta at the moment with the usual F to F to S tier, um, so you know S A B C D E F, um, 
where would you sit mono or primary demons at the moment? Feel free to do two scores for the soup score and the the, the mono score. Yeah, I think mono is probably about a C, uh, whereas soup is oh, it's probably like a B plus, ma- ma- maybe mm. A for the right soup, but I'm not sure. I, I, again, it, it's it's hard to have a a real good idea about the power right now with the the impending marine release and what's going to change when that yeah, happens. It's really really but, true. But look, I, I think there are chaos lists that soup, including demons that are that are easier. But I think on their own, they're probably about C. They're not they're not great on their own. Yeah, I think a pure a pure mono demons. I think you're seeing sitting about a C plus to a B. But yeah, I think you can go B to A minus um, for a soup a primary soup, uh, maybe even an A to A plus. I haven't I haven't seen them play is the only issue. Like once I've called a couple of games, I've seen a couple of mates tell me they can do this X Y Z. Um, I'll probably get a bit more respect for him, but at the moment, yeah, I think I'm seeing I'm seeing it exactly the same as you. Um, I think this book was good for them. It the the it added another facet, another mode that they can play because you can still play Swarmy, you can still say play Horde Demons, no problems. It's not going to be as good as it was, but you can still do it. Um, but it added another way for them to play. They can play a legitimate like semi monster mash style where you can put four big, big, big chunky guys on the board and have it be a respectable force. I think that's cool in and of itself, and it's worthy of uh, me, me giving this book a pass. Yeah, well, for for how long would you have laughed at someone for putting a Keeper of Secrets in their army, right? <laughs> Dude, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. P- prior to this book, it was just like, uh, mate, wh- how bad do you feel for wasting all your money? Um, but yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna wrap us up for this part one, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. Um, I feel like we did that book justice. We'd really hit it cover to cover and went pretty deep on it. Demons are in an interesting place. I feel like they're poised. Like if they had one more layer of rules, they they hit the they'd hit the sky, like they'd hit the ceiling. At the moment, I can't just can't get a read on them on, on where they're sitting, but uh, more will be revealed. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Matt. Please join us. We're going to jump over to part two now. We're going to start talking and writing lists and talking about how we can get um, things moving for the demons on the table. Matt's got some great archetype ideas for us. The great cause of lists and secondaries and things he thinks he's going to be playing with and moving forward with for his lists. And so we're going to jump over there and start talking about those. Thank you so much to all the amazing patrons who supported us thus far. Um, it's actually been a phenomenal amount of, of interest and support for this kind of content and um, been so happy to be able to produce it. Matt, thank you again so much for joining us for this third time and <laughs> thank you for reading out all the hard, the hard names. It's all good. I needed to uh, you know, get a bit of a, you know, a, a mental workout today and having to read some of Games Workshop's ridiculous relic names has, uh, has really sorted that out <laughs> for me. Uh, all right my man thank you so much please join us and jump over to the second part if you are at all interested if not catch you on the next one guys say good night Matt cheers lads thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under a content review podcast for Warhammer 40k hosted by Adam Camilleri produced by Seamus Ronan enjoyed the show want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook just search for Art of War Down Under signing out from tomorrow